Welcome to the Uncommon Truth Podcast. Thank you for joining me today. This week it's going to be a little bit different as Steve and Vicky are away, so I'm going to share with you a recent sermon from the Father's House. In this message, Steve speaks all about what it means to be a Christian leader, what it means to live in the lights of Christ, and how we have to continue to raise the bar day by day to go after that. Hope it blessed you and encourages you. If you would like to hear more messages from the Father's House, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel, which is Father's House Oroville, and then you'll never miss another message. Enjoy. You ready to continue to study Luke? Last week, Jesus tore up some Pharisees pretty hard. I even said, you know, Jesus was kind of rude. In our vernacular, we'd call that rude, what he did. And yet, you know, it's exactly what God wants us to do is call this out. He's going to continue that today in chapter 11, verse 45 through 54. And so let's, uh, let's, find, let's find chapter 11 first. All right. Let's go. One of the lawyers, okay, let me read the one before I, before I jump into cases. Woe to you, for you are like concealed tombs, and the people who walk over them are unaware of it. Now, this is referring to that. One of the lawyers said to him in reply, Teacher, when you say this, you insult us too. <laughs> but he said, Woe to you, lawyers, as well. For you weigh men down with burdens hard to bear, while you yourselves will not even touch the burdens with one one of your fingers. Woe to you, for you build the tombs of the prophets, and it was your fathers who killed them. So you you are witnesses and approve the deeds of your fathers, because it was they who killed them, the prophets, and you build their tombs. For this reason also, the wisdom of God said, I will send to them prophets and apostles. Some of them they will kill and some they will persecute. So that the blood of all the prophets shed since the foundations of the world may be charged against this generation. Like, whoa. From the blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah, who was killed between the altar and the house of God. Yes, I tell you, it shall be charged against this generation. Woe to you, lawyers. For you have taken away the key of knowledge. You yourselves did not enter, and you hindered those who were entering. When he left there, the scribes and Pharisees began to be very hostile and to question him closely on many subjects, plotting against him to catch him in something he might say. Yep. We would say the American word for woe. But that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about woe to you, like bad things to you, lawyers. And then he tells them all these things they're doing. You know, in summary, we could go with each one, but just let me try to give you an overview of the kind of thing he's talking about. So Pharisees were, uh, the Pharisaical group was formed, and this, for, for, one, uh, for a reason, the Greek influence had come into Israel, and that started influencing their, their obeyance of God's law. So The Pharisees formed to say, no, we will pull it back. We will get back to the original text. We will get back to Moses. And we will form this group that will live as an example for you, teaching you how to live Moses. And so that's how Pharisees formed. And then they had to have an interpreter. So they had these educated law scribes, they call them in many places, who help them interpret the law and write new law so that you can obey old law and make it back like it was intended to be. At the Father's House, we teach the words of Jesus, and we say, we're trying to teach Christianity the way Jesus intended it to be. So we have a very similar uh, thing as the Pharisees in our formation. 
we want to bring it back to the way it should be. Because a few weeks ago, we talked about how the words seduce you away, how easy it is for philosophies and ideas and ideals. And remember, on that day, I told you that, that some, there are many churches in the land now that even have whiskey bars and wine bars in the sanctuary, whereas 40 years ago, that was unheard of, and how, we're, how easily we're seduced in a certain direction. And they were being seduced in that direction by the Greek philosophy that had come into Israel during the Maccabees. None of that matters. But anyway, so they had formed to do a correction of the fading of Israel's following of God's law. So they were really, there's a really righteous reason to form. They were really good. But in this, they started making laws like crazy stuff like you can't, what's that word? It's unlawful to tie a knot. Like that's actually a law. And then they would go around making sure that any knots they see tied, you know, weren't tied today. And so, I mean, you, you think, well, you don't tie knots every day, so big whoopee. But they tied knots constantly. They didn't have zippers. They didn't have, you know, things that we have. So they tied everything in a knot, and it was unlawful to tie knots. So they had these robes that they had to wear on Friday to Saturday that, that they could, didn't have to tie knots. They didn't have to tie, you know, you use your robe, you tie a knot. It's unlawful to tie a knot. Well, they would, just, they would just pervert the law. They couldn't even get water out of their well because it was unlawful to tie a knot and, and drop the bucket. It was unlawful to do all those things. And so they'd make a law that would make it for them to be able to do it, but not someone else. They would say you could go a 1,000 yards from your house. So you, you're restricted to only a 1,000 yards from your house on the Sabbath, but they would make a rule that if they only placed two meals worth of food at a 1,000 yards, they could go another 1,000 yards because they called that, they changed that to be in the definition of a residence where you eat two meals or you, where you store two meals worth of food. So they would change things to fit them and how they wanted to do it. And so they would pervert this rule. And so what was very good suddenly had become very bad until Jesus is saying, you, you killed the prophets. You, you, he's basically woeing them to hell. He's, he's telling them it's going to be really bad for you. And what they're doing is they're, they're, they're the ones interpreting the law for you, but telling you what's good for them. And so there's a story I, I know of, and I blew it in the first service. I'm going to try not to blow it in the second service. But there's this Mexican bandit, and he, he goes across the border, and he robs banks or he robs, robs people. And then he goes back to Mexico, and, and the Texas Rangers were start getting very worked up about this. They couldn't catch him. But one Texas Ranger formed a plot to get him, and it worked. And he was able to follow him to a cantina after he robbed a bank. And he snuck up behind him in the cantina. He put a gun to his head and said, where's the money? Give me the, tell me where the money is, or I'm going to shoot you in the head. Well, the guy didn't speak English. So the guy didn't say anything and do anything. And he, and he answered back in Spanish. And the, guy, and the Texas Ranger said, I don't speak Spanish. Well, this lawyer happened to be in the cantina. A lawyer in a cantina. Go figure. He says, I can speak Spanish. Well, tell him what I said. So he tells the Mexican bandit, he says, tell him where your money is or he's going to shoot you in the head. And the Mexican bandit says, it's under the tree outside the cantina. I buried it under that tree. And the ranger says, what'd he say? And the lawyer said, he said, I want to get it right this time. <laughs> get lost, turkey. I don't believe you're going to shoot me. Did I say it right? 
Yeah. Yeah. So the lawyer, anyway, I didn't get it right again because the Mexican said, it's out, oh, he did say, it's out under the tree. And the, and the, anyway. So the moral of the story is that the lawyer did, the lawyer heard, heard what the guy said and, and he changed it. And these guys change it to fit them. That was terrible, wasn't it? Doggone it. All right. So this lawyer says, Jesus, when you say those things, we're offended too. And Jesus said, you take, you, you do all this stuff. And he, and he says, you actually take the key of knowledge and don't use it. You take the knowledge, the truth. You started with good intentions and you take this and you don't, you don't use it to get the truth. You use your position for your own benefit. And then you hold the key so others can't have it. You hide the truth from them. So they can't have it. And that's what he's saying to them. Now, Paul the Apostle, he said all these crazy things like, uh, you know, turn them over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, have nothing to do with the immoral brother. Don't you know enough to kick this guy out of your church? But then he said, I'm not talking to people outside the church. I'm talking to people inside the church. Jesus isn't talking to the fishermen. He's talking to the religious leader of the time, the guy who's supposed to be the servant of all. Jesus told his disciples, if you think you were chosen to be on a throne with me in a military complex, a conquest to overthrow the Romans, you were chosen to be the servant of all. And if you want to be great in the kingdom of heaven, you've got to learn to be the servant of all. And so he's telling them that this leadership doesn't look anything like these Pharisees and lawyers. And he's saying to the Pharisees and lawyers, woe to you that what you're doing is going to cause you a lot of pain. It's going to leave a red mark for you in a most precarious way. You're not going to like it at all. You're going to be, you're going to be damaged from it. And so he's talking to the people. He's talking to religious leaders and he's holding them accountable for what they, they, the calling they accepted. And I'm asking you if you feel that he's talking to you. Are you a person who's been asked by God to lead a family, to lead maybe a, in a business, to lead friends, a small group? He's talking to all of us. And the last thing you and I want is to hear the words, whoa to you. Because woe to you means you're going to be wailing in agony. Not something we want, but then again, do you want the calling? Do you want the position? Do you want the pulpit? Do you want the microphone? When Jesus says it, and everyone else says it, that this position is a position where you're not supposed to be like the lawyers. You're supposed to interpret correctly the word of truth. You're supposed to teach an example correctly the word of truth. In my life, I had my first six pastors. I had four pastors cheating on their wives. At least two were stealing money from the church. Do you think Jesus was talking to them? I served because I was told to go there and serve. 
And so when I was done, it was well, the only question I had is, what was my position here? And he, I know what it was today. I never dreamed I'd be the pastor, but I know what it is today. He wanted me to know what it's like to have your pastor be one of these guys and not to be that. And I think this example we have is he's calling us further up and farther in. He's calling us to be better than these guys. And he's making an example, and, and in this case, Luke, and in the other case, Matthew, and, and even in Mark, where he tells these Pharisees and these Sadducees and these scribes and lawyers that you're falling short. You've been given the responsibility to carry my people, to lead my people, and I don't care if your name is just Dad. You've been given a responsibility. I don't care if your, your title is husband. You've been given a responsibility to be the priest of your house. And you've been called to something. And have you seen Christian leaders fail you? Have you seen them not just fail because they're human, but fail because they were deceptive, because they were lying, because they weren't living what they told you, tell you to do one thing and do another? Have you seen that in our world today? Have you felt the sting of it? Fathers who abandon their children. Couples who can't stay married and break their children apart. Have you seen that where you took the responsibility and didn't live to it the way maybe God first called you or, or the vow you made at an altar? Have you seen that in your life and the damage it's done? Well, I saw firsthand these men who took the call, took the ordination, but did not live up to their, the authority that God gave them, did not live up to the calling that God placed people in their hands and they did not they did not think that sufficient to live right and to be the example. I've seen many fathers, many husbands, many mothers also do the same with their leadership. But today we're talking about church leaders, religious leaders, and people who would be called by God to lead others. So, mankind, religious leaders... Religious teachers can almost teach anything. I can tell you that we can go back, and today we live in a time where the writings of the 1850s are still available to us today. It isn't hard to go and do a study on 1850s preachers in America. And what you'll find is north of the Mason-Dixon line, using the, these guys are preaching anti-slavery, the immorality of slavery, the incredible nature of treating humans that way. And over here in the South, they're using the same exact verses to preach and teach that slavery is good and that a certain group of humans are not really human, that African Americans are not really human. Over here, a few years later, on the frontier, from the 1850s, let's say, to the 18, almost to the 1890s, even a little past that, you have all the preachers preaching why the Native Americans are no much, are, aren't any better than the animals in nature. And that killing them is actually legal. For a plantation owner in the South, it's not even illegal to kill a black person. For a frontier uh, pioneer, it's not illegal. To, it's not even against the law to kill an Indian or a Native American. And so the laws of the government stated here in California, 
it's not illegal to shoplift. So how do you set right from wrong? I'm constantly pushed hard about obeying the laws of the government. Well, okay, but you can't have it one way. The laws of the government say that it's okay to kill somebody. Is it okay then for you? Are you honor bound to, ob- to obey that? If the laws of the government say that it's okay to shoplift, are you as a Christian okay to shoplift? It's not against the law to shoplift in California. They go into Walmart with a calculator and a shopping cart and they keep track just so they don't go over $950 because you know if you do, now it's against the law. You can pick some, and so the stores are all changing their policy. They're locking their expensive stuff because the law's gone crazy. But does that make it lawful for you because the law said so? So these guys, what they do is they, just like the story of the Mexican bandit and the, and, the, and the lawyer, they just take what they know and they interpret it to fit them. And they, what they tell you, they read it and it says one thing to them and then they turn and tell you another. Now that happens everywhere I go. That happens constantly. It's what we have to be afraid of in the, in, in the Christian movement because that's what they do. Just like a government saying that a group of people isn't really human. In Europe in the 1940s, you know what happened. The Holocaust. People were dehumanized. In the 1940s in America, the Japanese were dehumanized. A, group, a whole group of people by, and, and religious leaders preaching sermons saying it was okay. You follow me? I'm telling you, this is, you know... In the East Coast of America, I mean, maybe given too many examples, but my my ancestors came to America and they were dehumanized. To be a to be an Italian was to be inferior in New York City, and you just weren't. It was dehumanizing. There's always a rep- repercussion from these things, but what Jesus is talking about is the religious leaders that are speaking and preaching these ideals and defending them, and they become the law of the land because the church agreed with them in the church. We just had the overturning of Roe versus Wade. An unlawful law for 50 years. What did the church, what, what, how could that happen in a country that's more than, 100, more than 50% Christian? It's, the, it's, it's how... We interpret his word and then speak it to fit what we need. Here today in the church, there's an argument about love and gender and and all these things that are crazy. It's crazy. And people are using the Bible to justify all of it. Leaders all over the place using their pulpit to justify it, to make it okay. Drunkenness and all kinds of carousing and fornication, all kinds of dishonesty and dishonoring. All over the land, we're using the Christian leadership is, is espousing this truth, this, this way of life that is so different than what Jesus is talking about, the pureness and the holiness. And he's talking to the religious leaders. And he's talking to the Christians, the people who know. And later he says, you say you know. And you think that's good that you know, but the fact that you say you know now that made you guilty because you're not really following what you know. 
You're not inter- you're not tell- and you're not hearing the truth and then telling the truth. You're changing the truth to how you want it to be. And I'm telling you, this is what we as a Christian community have to get back to whatever he says. Let's just go ahead and go with that. Today I was listening to a sermon. I got up pretty early in the middle of the night even. And I was listening to a sermon. And I was thinking about it, you know, that this guy mentioned the context of what Paul was talking about. It must have been 10 times. And it was a really good sermon. Because he didn't do, he didn't just take and make it what he wanted it to say. He clearly laid out, this is what Paul was saying and why he said these things. And that's what brought him to this sentence that we put on bumper stickers and get, use it as permission to live unholy lifestyles. And he laid it out pretty good. And, and I think that you and I need to understand this. We're always in Christianity, always trying to make it easier, make it better. Let's make it less offensive. Let's make it secret sensitive even. Let's make it where you get rich if you do this. Let's make it so that you can just say what you want, snap your fingers, and it's yours. Let's make this Christianity easy. We will fill up buildings. We will have numbers to tell the world. It wasn't too many years ago, maybe 30. I think he was nine. Me and Vicky moved to Oroville 31 years ago, and, and we came from Sacramento, and in Sacramento, the school district rejected the idea of full inclusion for people like our son. And we were 100% adamant that we wanted him to go to school uh, uh, with, his, with his siblings. So we, they presented an IEP meeting to us, Individual Education Program, and 10 educators sat at this table, 10 people, all in charge of something. And Vicki and I sat and listened as they told us what our IEP was going to be like. And each person told us how they were going to make sure Mark couldn't fail. Couldn't fail. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. We're going to do this to make sure we don't, we don't, we don't want it to be too hard on him. We don't want him to fail. They got to me and it's my turn. Okay, Mr. Ursula. And I said, well, I really first off would like to say thank you. Me and Vicky want to just tell you how much we appreciate you coming to this meeting, being all ready and prepared for our son's life and future. But let me tell you what we won't do, what I never will sign. I will never sign an individual education program that takes away my son's ability and right to fail. He will always, everyone you present me that I sign, he will be able to fail in. He will have to reach, he will have to work, and he will have to try to succeed. We're not asking him to be Einstein. We're not asking for trigonometry. We're not asking for valedictorian. What we're asking for is that you challenge him to grow. We want him to socially acclimate to life, get in line when he's supposed to, be quiet when he's supposed to, eat when he's supposed to, obey, follow the rules. We want all that, but we want you in his education program to quit worrying about him failing and keep worrying about keeping the bar just out of his reach. Keep making it so that that child cannot easily make it. So the place was stunned because they'd met a few parents with kids like me, like us, and they hadn't heard that before. 
And I said, that's what we'll sign. They got excited. One of the teachers said, I want him. And she took him and she did. She pulled, she just stretched him. And for the course of his life in elementary school on to junior high and high school, I continued to say, where are you, where are you challenging him? Where is he failing? Where is he not able to achieve? And they, I want you to, well, we don't have, no. If he can do these fives easy, you got to give him sixes then. Whatever he can do easy, you give him the next. And you, keep, and you don't wait. You don't let him rest. You, as soon as he gets there, you move it to the sevens. You move it to the eights. You just keep pushing him and you keep raising the bar. And I'm telling you, as Christian pastors, Christian leaders, we need to move the bar. We need to quit trying to look for the easy way. We need, we need to quit trying to look for the comfortable way. We need to quit interpreting this thing differently than what it says and quit saying what makes people comfortable and what makes people come and sit in a chair. We need to say what it says. And let me just tell you, there's not much in the gospels of Jesus Christ that are make you comfortable. I'm telling you, I'm always apologizing. Well, again, today we've got this edgy sermon every week. The bar is just, I mean, I'm, I've been doing this 47 years and I am not, I have not arrived. I have not grabbed the bar. I am not comfortable. Every day, it's further up and farther in. It's further up and farther in. And when I get there, it's further up and farther in. And when I get that one, I got to go further up and farther in. The eye on the prize, the narrow path, the narrow door, striving to enter, never getting comfortable that the bar is easy. Yes, I've arrived. I'm a Christian. I'm good. I'm under the blood. I'm, I'm saved and sanctified. I'm a blood-bought child of God. You just don't even hear me saying those words. No, I'm on a journey. I'm after a prize. My eye is on him. The bar is out of my reach. I'm never going to reinterpret it to make me comfortable because I do not want to hear the words, woe to you, Steve Orsillo. You were given the truth. My spirit was with you. And yet you, how I would have gathered you under my wings like a mother hen gathers her brood, but you would not. I never want to hear those words. Depart from me, you cursed one. I never knew you. Why do you say you knew me? I never knew you. I don't want to hear those words. What's he doing in here? Turn him over to the torch. I don't want to hear those words. Those are all the words of Jesus Christ to people that did not make it. I want to hear the words enter into my rest that I have prepared for you, my good and faithful servant. Come to the peace and the rest that I have prepared for you. Behold, I go to prepare a place for you. That's what I want to hear. In my house is many mansions, and I have prepared a place for you. And if it were not true, I would not have told you. That's what I want. And I'm not going to rest, and I'm not going to change the truth to make me comfortable. Because I've looked, I have seen, it's not comfort that gets you there. It's not ease that gets you there. It wasn't ease that made me forgivable. It took blood and guts and nails and whips to make me forgivable. Whatever it takes for me to get there, I'm going to go do it. And I'm going to keep preaching the truth. Can you imagine? They took away the keys and wouldn't even let anybody else get in. I'm telling you, I know the way. My eyes are on the prize. Let's go together to the mountain of the Lord. That's what I'm saying. And I'm not done. And I have not arrived. My eyes are on the prize. The upward call of God in Jesus Christ. He has prepared a place for us, people. 
I do all of this so that one day I might attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already attained it, for I have not. For I still have breath in my lungs, and I still have the ability to go the wrong way, and I still have the ability to hear the woes. I still have the ability to reject him. I still have the ability to let my own comfort, my own life, my own wants. I'm telling you, I still have that ability. Every generation, every culture, every movement, every nation, every race, every religion has these keys of the knowledge. And everyone has the ability to turn it aside and go the wrong way. Take the keys with them and keep their own people from going to heaven. Everyone. Holy Lord, I don't want to be that. <laughs> I, I want to know him and be known by him. Filled with the Holy Spirit. His words in me. His power in my hands. That's what I want. His glory in my feet. I want to walk in the presence of God Almighty. That's what I want. I want to read his words and tell you what they say and not try to benefit from what I know. But instead have you benefit from what I know. He's talking to the leaders, the religious leaders. And that includes most of us. No need to re-identify fathers, mothers, bosses, pastors, elders, the called ones, prophets and teachers. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Father, I pray that the recorders of our hearts and our minds will be on today and that you would imprint us with your knowledge and grace, that what you have said to us today will be a foundational stone under our feet, that it would be the hardener for the rock of Jesus Christ, that we would be solid in the storm, that we'd be at peace in the storm for knowing what you have taught us and what you say to us. You said that any man who hears these sayings of mine and acts upon them would be like a man who built his house on the rock. Lord, we, we cry out to you to help us build on the rock. Lead us, teach us, mold us, use us. Lamb of God, have mercy on us. Son of David, don't pass us by. Help us see. We want to see, Lord. We want to see. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. All the days of my life. I love you, Jesus. If there's been any conviction in your heart today, if your eyes are closed, your heads are bowed, if there's been any conviction in your heart today, don't leave the room without doing business with God. Come and pray up here at the front. The men are on the, my right, your left. The women are on your right up here at the front. Come and pray. And if you need healing of your body, I'm going to pray for healing. I'm going to anoint and pray for healing. 
right here in the middle. Don't just walk out the door. Do business with God. Today's message is for everyone. Should have convicted everyone. It's convicted me. Should have brought us all to that desire. I want the bar to be taken. I want to be, I want to be prodded and pushed to grow. I want to have to work to, to reach the next level. I want to have to go after him, have to pursue him, have to seek him. I love that promise. Seek him and you will find him. <laughs> Knock, keep knocking and the door is going to be open to you. Thank you for listening to the Uncommon Church Podcast today. I hope this episode encouraged you, inspired you, maybe even challenged you to keep seeking after everything Jesus has for you and the life he calls you to live. If you haven't already, please take a moment and subscribe to the Uncommon Truth Podcast. That way you'll get every episode each week when it's released. It would really help us if you could rate and review and even share this podcast with anyone that you think would be encouraged by it. Help us spread the message to more people so that we can all live out this Christianity the way Jesus intended it to be. If you would like to get in touch with us, have any questions about the podcast, the topics, or even like us to pray for you, you can do so by emailing us at uncommontruthpodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you again for listening, and I'll see you next time.